Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. I started a, a series entitled Radical. Radical. Living counter to a common culture. Now, I know that we're running out of time today, and uh, so I'm going to try to do this quick. But also, I'm not going to finish until I get done, okay? I don't want to cut y'all short of anything that the 9 o'clock service heard. So, uh, first of all, there's no such thing as a radical Christian. You're either a Christian or you're not. And Christian, in its very essence, is radical. Everything about this gospel is radical. Everything in this word is radical. When you think about how you got saved, it was radical. Listen to some of the words like this, snatched out of darkness, placed into the marvelous light of Jesus. Everything about the gospel of Jesus is radical. It starts out very radical in Genesis chapter 1, where the God, the God of the universe, is speaking things into existence. He speaks light, and there's light. Then he tells it when to cut off, and it cuts off. He tells the water and the ocean how far to come, and then he says, all right, that's good enough, now go back in. Everything about this gospel is radical. He throws the stars up in the sky with words. He throws the moon up into into space with words. Everything he does is radical. If that's not radical enough for you, the very word becoming flesh, Jesus was born of a virgin. Hadn't seen that happen ever since, amen? That is radical. Everything about this gospel is radical. Let me tell you something else that's radical. One day as a sinner, I fell on my knees and I called out to God and God changed everything about me. He didn't make me a better person. He made me a brand new person and that's radical. The definition of radical is this, relating to or affecting the fundamental nature of something. And that's exactly what happened to us when we got saved. Jesus Christ made us a brand new person, radically changing us. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23 tells us that he put the seed of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus on the inside of us taking away this corruptible seed, us, our our nature, and putting in an incorruptible seed, a seed that's just like Jesus. That's why God can call us holy and righteous, not based on our actions, but based on our position, based on a miracle that's taking place in our lives. Do you believe that this morning? Colossians chapter 1 tells us that this is the mystery. This is what it's all about. This is the gospel, a radical thing taking place. What thing? (coughs) Excuse me. What thing is that? Jesus Christ living on the inside of us. And that's the gospel. When Samson, that was a great story. Remember when Samson beat up all those people, killed them with a jawbone of an ass? Wasn't that cool? How about Daniel in the lion's den? Went in there. God spared his life. He snuggled up to the kitty cats. 
They didn't bite him. Had lockjaw, full tummy, just couldn't eat them. How about the Israelites staring at a sea in front of them? The Egyptian army behind them. God dries up the sea, sucks up all the water. They weren't Trump stepping in mud, friend. They were walking on dry ground with a sea of wall on this side of the sea. That's a great miracle. How about David when he slings a rock out of a regular old slingshot and it comes out of that slingshot and hits Goliath square in the head, a nine-foot man, and puts him on the ground, this adolescent boy. That's amazing, isn't it? It's a miracle, isn't it? But it's not the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is your life transformed by the power of God. A sinner on his way to hell, placing their faith in Jesus and it changing their life forever. Friend, that's the gospel and it's radical. I want us to look at Acts chapter 3 and I'm going to go as fast as I can. You've heard this story. Peter and John. Verse 1. We're going to the temple for a time of prayer. At three in the afternoon, a man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple, gate called Beautiful, so that he could beg from those entering into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter into the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight ahead of him and said, look at us. So he turned to them expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver and gold. I don't have any money, but what I give unto you, I give you. Or what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Then he takes him by the right hand and raised him up. And at once his feet and his ankles became strong. So he jumped up and he started to walk and he entered into the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. All the people saw him and they were astonished. They were in awe. They were amazed because they recognized that the one who was in there shouting and in there praising God was the one who used to sit and beg at the temple gate. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at all that had happened to him. What a story, huh? This beggar, blind, or excuse me, this beggar can't walk, paralyzed, having to be taken from uh, wherever he was to go, he had to be carried. Now, I want to bring out five radical points out of this radical story. Are you ready? Here's point number one. Simply hanging out at the temple is not going to bring about radical change in your life. This man, every day, was brought to the temple, was brought to church, and it done nothing for him. Are you listening to me this morning? And you can come to church every Sunday. Friend, you can come to church on Wednesday. You can come to church when the church is in, isn't open and park your car out, roll your windows down, and take communion. But it's not going to do anything for you if you, don't, aren't, if you aren't the church. There's coming a day when God is drawing the line and today's the day because now is the day of salvation where he's going to separate those who've been to church and those who are raised in church. 
What do I mean by that? Not, 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 not going to church on just simply, I, 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 I do this out of religion. I do this because, you know, I was told to do it. But when God transforms you, not, let me say it like this, not being raised in church, but being raised up in Christ. Let me say it like that. God is drawing the line. People, there's a lot of people that go to hell from church. They go to hell grasping a paper that says, I'm a member of this church or that church. They go to hell being soaking wet from baptism. Because, friend, church membership and water baptism has nothing to do with the salvation experience. The Bible says, if you want to really be changed, you want a radical change, whosoever calls upon the, upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And old things pass away, and all things become new. Simply going to church doesn't change your life. You know what it does? It'll make a self-righteous person out of you. If you just go to church, just to go to church, you'll start telling people. You know something about Waycross, but it's not just Waycross. It's this whole region, probably this whole world. You ask somebody, are you saved? And they say, oh, yes, I'm a member so-and-so church. You won't know what I really think about that. You ask me after church because that ain't got nothing to do with salvation. Your answer ought to be yes. I was a sad, sick sinner, but I called out on the name of Jesus and he radically changed my life. Come on, somebody. Simply hanging out at the temple isn't going to bring about change. It'll modify your behavior. You'll learn how to act when you're around church folk. And then you'll learn how to act when you ain't around church folk. You understand what I'm saying? But this isn't behavior modification. It's life transformation. He sees Peter and John and he looks at them. They look at him and he's... He says, give me some money. Peter and John, Peter says, we don't have any money. But what I have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. Here's point number two. God knows how to radically bless you. Did you hear what I said? God knows how to radically bless you. What do I mean by that? He, the, the beggar asked for what he wanted, but he actually received what he needed. Glory to God. That's good whether you clap or not. He asked him for what he wanted, but God said, no, I'm going to give you what you need. And I'm telling you right now, God isn't just trying to get you to survive. See, that money would have just got him through another day but he was just surviving. He was just making it to another day. But God's will is not for you just to survive. God's will is for you to thrive, to walk in abundant life, freedom from sin, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Friend, God knows how to radically bless you. When he saw Peter and John about to enter in the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked at him. He said, I'll give you Jesus, 
I don't have any money. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up and at once his feet and ankles became strong. The Bible says that he, Peter, reached down. Are you listening to me this morning? Am I boring you today? He reached down and he lifted up this beggar. This brings me to point number three. Those who have had a radical experience with God will exercise radical faith. Hear me. Nothing is impossible with God. Faith accesses for you the miracles that God wants to do in your life. You say, I don't know if I believe that. Well, you got saved, didn't you? There is no greater miracle than the miracle of salvation. One of our aligning values is this, is that here at Remnant Church, that salvation is the greatest of all miracles and we'll do whatever we have to do. We'll spend whatever we have to spend. We'll give whatever we have to give so that one soul will be snatched out of hell. Because that's what it's all about. And those who have had a radical experience with God will make radical sacrifices. Will give radically, radical generosity, radical sacrifice, and they will exercise radical faith. You done come, let me just say this, you've done come too late, come around too late to tell me there's something that God cannot do. This church is here because of people who had radical faith. This church, but not just this church, the church of the living God is here because some people had radical faith in the midst of persecution, in the midst of their, their life hanging in the balance. They said, you could take my life, but you cannot touch my soul. I believe what I believe, and I'm willing to take this gospel to whoever will hear it. And this church, Remnant Church, is a product of radical faith. Five years ago, this church should have closed down. This should have been sold. In fact, there was a for sale sign on it. There was no money. There was no people. But God had different plans. And there was a remnant of people who said, I believe God can do something amazing in this region. And he has. So you've done come along too late to tell me that there's any, anything too hard with God. I will share it. I wasn't going to share it. That was me and God having a conversation just then. <clears throat> Do y'all ever have conversations with God? You pray, don't you? I'll never forget 
How old was Abriel? 16 months old. I could tell you a lot of things, that, but I, just for time. 16 months old, and I can remember it was like it was yesterday. She's 10 years old now, 9 years old. We heard a noise. We didn't know what we heard, but we heard something that woke us up. Abriel, Holly went to check on Abriel, and when she went to check on Abriel, Abriel was lifeless, blue. She let out a blood-curdling scream. I'll never forget it. Brunger laid her in the floor in our, our bedroom. And I'd like to tell you I was a mighty man of faith that day. That was my child. And I about lost my mind. I tried to figure out how to call 911 and get people on the phone and screaming at them. I seen something that day. I can't get over. As I was calling and screaming and crying, everything was going crazy, but then it seemed like everything just went in slow motion for just a moment. And I remember the rug. I remember what it looked like. I remember everything about that moment. My wife was standing over, Abriel, and I remember as everything was going on around me and everything just stood still at the same time, I remember at Holly saying, I rebuke the spirit of death in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of death. And she said it with such peace and boldness. And just like that, I watched the color go back into her face. So I'm telling you, you done come too late to tell me that God doesn't heal, that he doesn't save, that he doesn't restore, I'm telling you, he can even raise the dead. You say, I don't know if I believe that. That's too radical. Well, I'm telling you, I know what I've seen, and I know in whom I have placed my faith in, and I'm persuaded that he is able to do what he said he would do. So don't you ask me to pray for you because I may in Walmart because I may snatch you up and pray with you right there on the deodorant aisle right there at the shampoo aisle, right there around the goldfish. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Because I believe that God can do anything. And you know what reaffirms my faith? When I see people like what happened this morning, a greater miracle than what I just said. When people give their lives to Jesus. He said to them in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. But then what I love about it is he didn't just say get up and walk and walk on but he said get up and walk Jamie and then he reached his arm down and he pulled that beggar up 
Here's my point. Point number four. Those who have experienced radical grace should extend radical grace. I'm telling you right now, before you get on your high horse and you look down on somebody and you see somebody in addiction or you see somebody in bondage or you see somebody doing ungodly things and you think, well, at least I'm not like them. You better hit your knees. You better find an altar. You better cry out to God because if it wasn't for his grace, you might be in the same place. But here is our response to radical grace. Give radical grace. You've received forgiveness. Give forgiveness. You've received love. Give love. You've received mercy. Receive mercy. Give mercy. You've received grace. Give grace. Well, they don't deserve it. Well, you don't either. He reached out his hand and he pulled him up. And that's what God's called us to be, church. People who will reach out our hands and pull people up. I see you and I can't let you stay down. I see what you're going through and I can't let you stay down. Reach out your hand of love. Reach out your hand of mercy. Reach out your hand of grace. No matter what they look like, no matter what they smell like, no matter where they spent the night, no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done, no matter how long they've done it, reach out in radical grace. Reach out with radical love and say, if God done it for me, he'll do it for you. He reached out his hand raised him up. At once his feet and ankles became strong, so he jumped up and he started to walk. And he entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. Something stands out to me. The Bible says after he got his healing, he went into the temple. I'm telling you, we can't wait until people are healed before we let them come into the church. Did, I, did anybody hear what I said? You can't wait for people to get straightened up, for people to get acting right, for people to start living right before they come to your church. Friend, if you don't want them, maybe you come from another church and your church ain't welcoming people like that. Well, just tell them to come on by 3205 Memorial Driveway across Georgia. I'll take you. I'll welcome you. I'll bring you in because I got the answer for the sin-sick soul. And his name's Jesus. Maybe you're watching online. You've been wondering, well, I've been watching online, but I don't know if I could ever go to church. Well, I'm telling you, this is the perfect church for you to go to. And there ain't nobody in here bragging about how they got it all together, but their life is in the life of Jesus Christ who holds us all together. It's to me, it's sad that this man had to be healed before he came into the church. When the Bible tells us clearly, Jesus said, I was here for the sinner, for the broken, for the down and out, for the addict, for the prostitute, for the gossiper, for the one with 
overwhelming, ain't jealousy and envy, hatred. In fact, it's not the well that need a physician, it's the sick. The church is not supposed to be a museum for religious saints. It's supposed to be a hospital for the broken, for the hurting, for the wounded, for the needy. He entered into the temple. They began to watch him as he was leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit at the gate. They cared enough to recognize that he had an issue, but they didn't love him enough to do something about it. Here's point number five. Once you've been radically raised, you should give God radical praise. You say, well, I don't go to one of those churches where you can radically praise God. Well, I don't even know what kind of church that is because I believe the church ought to be full of radical praisers. Maybe radically praising God as you clapping your hands. Maybe for somebody else, it's, we got some people in this church and I am so jealous of them because they have an amazing whistle. Have you ever seen people whistle with their fingers? <laughs> See, that's all I can do. I've tried. I looked it up on YouTube, how to whistle with fingers because I was going to come to church, Jamie, and show out. I was going to get out here and <laughs> that's all I could do. This is all I got. Ready? <laughs> See, that's terrible. That's, that's okay. Okay, we ain't going to do a tryout. But both of my main whistlers, they ain't here today. There's Kathy Barnum started it. She sits right over there. Well, wherever. She, she's a jumper. She'll first sit over here one Sunday, over here, down here, wherever. But when we're worshiping God, brother, she lets out a sure enough whistle. And I seen the first time she done it, I seen some of y'all get a little stiff. Pastor's going to get her. That's what y'all was thinking. Pastor's fixing to get her. Oh, no. No, friend. See, what you don't know about some of these people who praise the way they do, they've been places you ain't never been before. You see, some people made up in their mind they're going to serve God just as hard as they serve the devil. They're going to run after God just as hard as they run after the devil. And some people whistle for a lot of things in this world. And guess what? They've changed their tune. They're whistling for another reason now. 
They're praising God for another reason. So let me just say this. If somebody's worshiping God and they're raising their hands and, and they're, maybe they're shouting, you let them shout. You let them praise God. If they're out of line, you let me handle that. I'll take care of them if they're out of line. I'll tell them, hey, calm down just a little bit. Settle down just a little bit. You let me take care of that. But don't get so stiff and get all messed up and get all dusty and get all, uh, you know, uh, whatever and, and think, well, you know, that ain't what church is for. Well, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise God. When I came to this church, I think about what God's done for me and I can't help but praise Him. And if I can whistle, oh, I'd whistle, but I can't whistle. So I lift my hands and say, thank you, God. Hey, I can't dance too good, but I jump a little bit. And that's me saying, God, thank you for loosening the chains of bondage that held me down, that tied me down. Thank you for setting me free. And if I just get a feeling, I'll run around this building. But when we expand, I may not run around it. <laughs> Once you've been radically raised, you should radically praise. And if that ain't your thing, you do your thing. You praise God how you want to praise him. How, how, not comfortably, though. You need to praise him just a little bit past what you normally do. Because he's worthy. If that means you get in your car and you sing... And you praise God in your car and you shout like your windows are tinted and they ain't. Go ahead. Praise God. I want to share something with you about this and then I'm going to close. It starts out, this beggar was brought to the gate called Beautiful. Abriel, my daughter, the same one I just told you about. I make her I hate to say this, it seems rude, and like I'm not a good parent, but I am. I make her pop my toes. <laughs> See, y'all didn't have a clue where I was going. That came out of left field, didn't it? <laughs> Nobody had any idea what I was about to say. I make her pop my toes. I feel like that's very therapeutic. I feel like, I'm not sure, but that's the last appendage on your body. And I feel like there's a lot of stress that goes, is, that is linked to the toe. In our nine o'clock service, we have two podiatrist surgeons. And I could have asked them, but they just smiled and looked at me funny when I said this. But anyway, she'll pop my toes. And she, she really celebrates when she gets all five on one foot. <laughs> Yesterday was one of those days. She popped all five on one foot. And she pops my toe. And my wife, and it's really not right, and I don't want to throw her under the bus, but both of them talk about my feet. They talk about how they look. They talk about how they feel. They talk about my nails on my toes, how it wouldn't hurt for me to have a pedicure or at least a good scrubbing or something. And I, I take it like a man and I deal with it. And I always remind them what the Bible says. The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry 
the gospel. So when they, and also my feet have done a lot. I walked across, let me remind my wife and my daughter who's upstairs in children's church. I walked across the state of Georgia, not this way, this way. I'm in need of a good tire rotation probably and a balancing. But I remind them, my feet are beautiful. God said they were. Well, the other day I was thinking about this and I thought, that just don't seem right though. Because I agree, I would never tell them this, but my feet are not beautiful. <laughs> but if you look at that word translated in the Greek, beautiful, when it translated from the Greek, they used the English word beautiful. The same word they use for the gate, beautiful. But when you look at that word, the word actually in the Greek means timely. Well, that makes a difference there, doesn't it? Now look at that verse about the feet of those who carry the gospel. How beautiful, how timely are the feet of those who carry the gospel. Wasn't it timely for you when you heard it? Huh? Here we see this word, beautiful, timely. This gate, gate called timely. Every day this beggar was brought to this gate. And don't you think he got tired of begging? Don't you think the people that brung him to the gate got tired of taking him? And maybe you find yourself at a gate. You wouldn't call it beautiful, would you? Maybe you find yourself in a situation today, in a circumstance today, in a season today that you wouldn't call beautiful. Can I encourage you? Instead of calling it beautiful, maybe you should call it timely. Because at the right time, you're going to have a Peter and John moment. He's not going to give you what you want. He's going to give you what you need. Today, you may be at a gate thinking, how did I get here and how do I get out of here? Friend, the answer for this beggar was Jesus. And the answer for you and your life has not changed. The answer has been, the answer always will be Jesus. And get ready. Because I believe for some people in here this morning, this is your timely season. This is your timely hour. Today is the day of salvation. Nobody's throwing change at you today. Today your life is going to be and can be changed by Jesus. If you believe that, will you give the Lord a hand clap of praise today?
stand with me all across the building? I don't want anybody leaving right yet. Give me five minutes. Musicians, singers, come. I ask you just to be reverent. Keep the moving down to a minimum. And I want to ask you, now this is one of those services where we've had two altar calls. You say, have you ever done that before? Well, a couple of times, not many. But it ain't about what I've done, it's about what God wants to do. And I believe God wants, God wants to do something in your life today. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about baptism. I'm talking about having a moment with Jesus that'll change your life forever. Some of y'all been playing church. I know what that's like. You can't play a player. You hear me? You can, I know what that's like. You know what it's like, don't you? But I'm telling you, there's coming a time when the game's going to be over. And there's a line drawn in the sand. And see, Jesus, it's his will that no man should perish. But also, there's coming a day when God will say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. But didn't I do this in your name? And didn't I go to church? And wasn't I baptized? And what, didn't I do all this stuff? don't matter you had a you had religion but you didn't have Jesus and no matter what you do you can't do enough to earn God's approval he's only approved one thing and that was the life of his son Jesus the blood that he shed Calvary's cross and I'm asking you this morning what's going to happen this is radical now what's going to happen when you stand before God what's going to happen because see now I've, done, I've already done funerals for young people in this church, teenagers, 30-year-olds, and every age in between. So I'm asking you right now, what's going to happen when you stand before God? Man, I wish you'd close this thing out better than that. What do you mean? See, because I know this, a lot of people go to hell straight from church. A lot of people go to hell, members of a church, but not members of the body of Christ.
So I want you to, I usually don't do this, but we're going to do it. I want you to close your eyes and bow your head. And I want you to think about what I'm saying today. Are you saved? Do you have a Have you had an encounter with Jesus at the gate called Timely? That changed your life. And it will change your life. It'll take you from limping to leaping. So I'm asking you this morning, have you had this encounter? And if not, you can today. He's here. He's here. He's here right now. He's here. And he brought you here. He made a way. He brought you here this morning so that you could hear this word, so that you could meet him. He orchestrated it and ordained it all. This moment, this hour. So I'm asking you right now, look at me, look at me. If you're not saved, come to this altar right here. I'm already down here. You already seen people get saved this morning. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you out. And, well, what will people think about me? I'll tell you what they'll think about you. They'll think you made the greatest decision of your life. They'll celebrate you. They'll rejoice with you. So I'm asking you right now, if you don't know Jesus. If you don't know him like I'm talking about knowing him, please. I'll beg you. You said, I, preacher shouldn't do that. Paul did. Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. I beg you, if you don't know Jesus today, if you don't know him, this is the moment. This is your day. This is the hour. Come to Jesus today. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.